Pepsi's Garage. Take two tonight. Yep. Only two tonight, so only a one Pepsi night tonight. One Pepsi. Um, Rod Patterson. Rod Patterson. Rock and Rod. You know, Could be internet. I didn't, you know, see what he's all done. I, I mean, I really only know him from Husets yeah. to speak of, and I've seen him a few times on, is it Midcon or something? Midco. Midco. Yeah. Seen him a couple times there. So be interesting to see what he's done or what he's doing now. So Yeah, and I've, I, you know, I kind of followed him and stuff like that, and I know he's had some health issues um, with the heart and stuff like that, so I think it would be good for everybody to kind of hear how he's yep. doing from that Absolutely. also. So. I think we'll ask that and uh, go from there. So, again, uh, if you're new to our podcast, um, give us a rating if you would. They always help. Um, you don't have to give a review if you don't want to, but, you know, whatever. We, you, we maybe don't want the reviews yeah, either. Yeah, you know, you never know. So. So, but, uh, yeah, when we come back, we got Rod Patterson on. And we're here with uh, Rod Patterson. Rod, could you maybe just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Well, I appreciate the time, guys. Always great to talk to you and love to talk racing. Um, basically, got into the racing family when I was one year old back in 1969. My dad was working on Hall of Famer Jerry Ross's car, who's my uh, my godfather. My mom would take me out to Houston's, uh every Sunday night uh, ever since I can remember, even before I can remember. And I remember sitting up in the stands, screaming my head off for my favorite drivers, and it was so loud the lady in front of me couldn't even hear what I was saying. But <laughs> yep. I was up there and be, be, being into it. Um, but uh, I've been very blessed to be able to uh, have a lot of uh, uh, great opportunities, meet a lot of great friends, and be involved in a racing family since time began. Um, I uh, was able to uh, secure a position with. Uh, uh, Kello Radio out of Sioux Falls back in about 94, 95, when Denny Obiet left the booth and Mark Tassler took over upstairs. He left the radio show on Kello, and I did that for about uh, three years. Then Houston Speedway uh, decided to bring me on. Uh, we did some play-by-play on radio and then became the announcer on the infield at Houston for many, many years uh, before I retired from there in 2012. But in the meantime, I had the uh, honor of being on the Sprint Car Network for about three years, 98, 99, and 2000. It was the traveling uh, network for the World of Outlaws and had a great opportunity, thanks to Johnny Gibson, to do that. And, uh, you know, saw a lot of the country that I probably wouldn't see before. Uh, so so that's I've been very blessed with that. Uh, the Houston Speedway Hall of Fame is uh, something that I'm the chairperson of. Uh, it started in 1998, and uh, I've been on the committee for 21 years and 20 of those as chairperson. So uh, the history of the place is something I truly love. Racing has been my my life, other than my family, has been basically my life ever since time began. So uh, really, really honored to be part of the sport and uh, to have so uh, so many blessings as far as opportunities and friends are concerned. So... Now we were talking a little bit, and you've you've had some health issues as of recent. Is that all working out good for you, or how about a little update on that, just to let people know? You know, um, better than could be expected, to be honest with you. Um, make a long story short, I actually had two heart attacks within a seven day period. Uh, I started feeling a little shortness of breath in late February. Made some appointments through March, and uh, um, basically, uh, my first heart attack was the last weekend mm-hmm. in March. My second one was April, I believe, 2nd it was. 
Um, and they admitted me into the hospital. And on Monday, they did a few tests on, on April 4th. April 5th, they put a new aortic valve in me uh, because I had 20 to 25% usage of the aortic, aortic valve, which is basically the, the, the valve that pumps blood out of the heart and into the body. Uh, 20 to 25% usage in that. Um, had the, the uh, uh, surgery on Tuesday, April 5th. Uh, that Thursday, they had me up walking the hallways, and that Friday, I did an echocardiogram, and they had me up to 30% usage already. Uh, so yesterday was my three-week anniversary of the uh, procedure. Uh, last week, I started going half days uh, every other day. Monday, I went half day. In fact, yesterday on uh, uh, Tuesday, they had me uh, meet with my surgeon. They were very happy with my progress, and uh, today, Wednesday, was my first day back full-time to work. So uh, God definitely blessed me with a uh, ability to heal quickly and a pretty strong will. So between those things, I just said flat out, I'm beating this thing. And I've been very blessed to be able to uh, uh, to kick its butt here so far. Yeah, that's that's, 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 that's amazing right there that that all worked out as well as it has for you. Well, like I say, God definitely blessed me. And, uh, you know, if, if that's the worst thing that's going to happen to me, I think I'm going to be in pretty good shape. God <laughs> gave me, uh, you know, there's only two things in the world we can control, guys. It's your effort and your attitude. So if I try to have the boast of either one, uh, the best of both, uh, then I think I'm going to be okay. You bet. Well, that's that's good. We're definitely glad to hear that. Um, how, how did you actually get into doing this announcing stuff? Well, pretty interesting. I actually stumbled into a radio job by accident back in 1987 at a station in Mitchell, KMIT. And they knew that I was a racing fan, and so they had me start doing a uh, Saturday morning racing show. And I had actually interviewed Denny Oviat uh, a few times just because uh, he knew my dad, and I knew of him, and and, uh, you know, we had a few, you know, interviews that way, you know, getting some usage updates. Well, then Denny uh, decided to retire and move on to Arizona to be involved with his horses. And that moved Mark Tassler up from the uh, the radio show on Kello AM 1320 into the announce booth. And so the radio station was kind of asking around, uh, you know, who do you think would be a person that could uh, maybe do this show? And Denny Oviatt and, and some of them had actually recommended me because of my work at KMIT in Mitchell. And uh, Mike Costanza, who was the general manager at the radio station at the time, gave me a call. I came down to Sioux Falls and uh, interviewed with them. And uh, they gave me a shot. And uh, when I first started, it was a four-hour program. And I'd check in four times per hour, about a two-minute deal, just checking in from four until eight so people could kind of listen to updates on the way to the track. Then it kind of morphed into a two-hour nonstop show from 6 until 8 where I would have interviews with drivers and results from around the country and, you know, updated news, those types of things. So I'd sign off at 8 when the uh, the races started, and then I would actually come back on the air after the races were over, and I would do a post-race show for people to listen to on the way home, interview winning drivers and give results and those types of things. And that actually morphed into doing play-by-play. -play. So actually, my myself and Steve Wemke uh, did play-by-play -play of the actual races at since He did all of the fender cars, and I did the sprint cars. And uh, that went really, really well for quite a long time. And then that kind of, I don't know, fizzed out is maybe the word. I don't know if that's 
phrase we should use. But after that was over, uh, Steve and Greg Rubin and the Rubin family asked me to come on board and uh, stay involved with the program, and they made me the infield reporter slash interviewer, announcer, whatever you want to call it. And uh, that was a, an unbelievable experience. I, I, I tell you what, with all of the stuff that I've done, I would say that the infield stuff, being down with the teams and seeing what they're doing and interviewing guys, that was probably my favorite thing of my whole career. Uh, that also led to an opportunity to get involved with the Sprint Car Network. Johnny Gibson introduced me to uh, Mike and Kathy Martin, who own the network, and had a chance to go out and do some of that t- type of stuff. So uh, needless to say, the moon and the stars kind of lined up for me, and uh, I just I, I couldn't be more thankful. I, I think you being an infield reporter was a little bit like almost ahead of the times with all this, you know, stuff on dirt vision and flow, um, you know, and I remember you being down there doing all that. And that, I mean, even as, for us being fans in the stands, I thought that was really good for us to hear. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I think that, that um, you know, I, I would hope that I was able to give a, a different uh, dimension to the, uh, to what's going on downstairs. I mean, uh, you know, if, if a guy's got the hood open, um, I went over there to ask him, and I think one of the biggest compliments that I would receive when I was down there is I would walk up to the race team, and I would just stand back and watch. I would never inter- interrupt what they're doing, but one of the guys would see me there, and he'd turn around and actually tell me what they're doing. You know, yeah. I wouldn't have to ask them. They would actually tell me what they're doing so that I could relate that to the fans. and It just gives the fans a, a little more connectability, if there is such a word. Uh, you know, to stay involved and, and, and know what their favorite drivers are doing. You know, and, and also, too, with uh, when the Sprint Car Network actually got sold. See, Ted Johnson, of course, used to own the Outlaws, and they got sold to World Racing Group. Uh, the uh, Sprint Car Network kind of fizzed out after 2001. They decided to go with the Dirt Vision deal, and Johnny Gibson does an amazing job. So after that, I, I felt that there was really a niche for Internet radio. And so in 2004 is when I started it was called the American Dirt Network before that, and uh, we, we started that a couple of years later. Uh, we renamed it Hoseheads Radio, and I was uh, blessed to have our website be the uh, internet radio voice of the Knoxville Raceway and the Knoxville Nationals up until about 2010. So I, I uh, was able to be the lead announcer play-by-play when Craig Kinzer won the 45th, and I did the 50th when uh, uh, Tim Schaefer, uh, into 50 lapper beat Donnie shots across the line after Donnie uh, burned a piston with 48 uh, laps in and then every show in between there. So, um, yeah, like I say, I, I, I still kind of pinch myself when I think about uh, some of the things that have happened in my career and some of the friends that I've made and the, the uh, respect I think that I was able to gather is something that I will always cherish. Yeah. Um, so obviously you've seen a lot of races, been a part of them. Do you have some favorite ones that stick out in your mind? Oh, wow. Um, I, 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 <laughs> we we I, I have say, all night, Rod. <laughs> wow. You know, I think I, I think a few of them um, on the national level. I'll start with there. Uh, the night that Craig Kinzer won the 45th Knoxville Nationals. I'm not sure what was more fun to see Craig winning or his dad embracing him. Um, afterwards, I mean, Steve could not get out of the car fast enough and run up to victory lane and hug his kid. Um, as a parent, I mean, I, it still just gives me goosebumps to see Craig win that deal. Um, 
I think, you know, the, the 50th when Tim Schaefer and, and Donnie Schatz were just battling big time. And I, I was able to have a, a pretty good relationship with Donnie and, um, and Danny and Diane, his mom and dad. In fact, not to get off subject a little bit, but when uh, myself and Lanny Nichols from Watertown were doing uh, car Network stuff, if it was out of state, we would actually go to Watertown and Don, uh, Don and Diane and uh, Danny would fly their plane to Watertown, pick us up, and we would fly with them to whatever show we were going to uh, and then fly back again. So I, I was able to get a pretty good relationship going with those guys. And then, of course, his crew chief, Steve Swenson, uh, Scuba's from Watertown, so uh, that connection as well. Uh, but I, I remember the 50th, uh, Donnie was just dominant at the time, and obviously he's been dominant at the Nationals. But he burned a piston on lap 48 and was going to fit a 50-lap race. And so he ran the last lap and a half on seven cylinders. And uh, uh, Tim Schaefer uh, was able to get by him on the last lap and edge him out. And I just remember going crazy uh, with that deal. So Tim won the 50th. I think those are probably the two uh, biggest as far as the um, national uh, level is concerned. I do remember one time when I was uh, doing play-by-play for the Sprint Car Network, I had to be by myself uh, up in the booth for a show. And I remember doing a 40-lap nonstop World of Outlaw feature at Eagle Raceway. And I'll guarantee you, I was looking for a beer after that deal. <laughs> pretty, pretty intense. Uh, but that was uh, an amazing experience. But I'll also say that probably the best local memories, uh, there's two of them. I remember there's one night where this hauler came into town and outrolled a blue and silver number 23 car. And I thought, who in the hell is this kid? So he rolled it off, and I'd go over to talk to him and ask him if I could do an interview. And he said he's a kid from Enumclaw, Washington. His name was Casey Kane. So I did an interview with him and watching the show, and I remember he he, uh, set quick time that night. He was three-tenths off of the track record on a track tire. And I said, holy smokes, this kid's fast. So we're watching a heat race, and he's kind of rolling around, kind of, you know, feeling the thing out, and he finishes third in his heat. Well, okay, whatever. Well, during the feature, he came off a number two corner, and he passed Terry McCarl like he was tied to a tree. And I will never forget the crowd. I could hear the crowd over all of the four tens that were running, and I just rose my eyebrows and said, holy smokes, who is this kid? So I had a chance to go interview him after the races for that post-race show, uh, Casey Kane, yeah, he turned out okay. So that, that was probably <laughs> he turned out okay. So that was one of my uh, one of my great memories. Another great memory was uh, on a Sunday night following the Knoxville Nationals. Uh, at the time, the three hundred fives were running. It wasn't a race saver deal by any stretch, but it was. Oh gosh, must have been 2011, 2010, maybe two thousand nine, something like that. Uh, there were only three cars. Uh, in this 305 view, but one of them was Isaac Schurz. And Isaac Schurz is a uh, young man that's paralyzed from the waist down. Yep. And the, he, they had built a special car for him. And I'm standing in the infield flag stand next to his dad, and I don't know what was more spine-chilling, I guess, watching Isaac race or watching dad. And it was just incredible he won the race. Now, I don't care if there was three cars or 30 cars. The kid won the race. And what's interesting about that is, again, I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but the number on his car is 612. Yep. Before he even 
made his number 612. He was injured in a motorcycle accident while racing on June 12th. And that's 612. Okay. And that was his number on his sprint car. And so I'll, I'll never forget it. And I don't know how this even came about or why it popped into my head. But I'm flying down the steps to go out and interview him. And I look over at Rosie's Racelands trailer, and there was a folding chair sitting there. With, without even blinking an eye and instinct, I grabbed the folding chair, and I came out, and I interviewed Isaac on the front stretch as I sat in the folding chair, and he sat in his wheelchair. And I could have talked to him for three days, and people did not make a sound. And it was probably one of the greatest interviews I've ever done just because what it meant to him and what it meant to the racing family. And probably one of the biggest compliments I had is people came downstairs and said they just came for the Knoxville Nationals. But that was the highlight of their weekend. So, um, like I say, very blessed, very humbled uh, to have those types of things happen. And uh, those are probably some of my best memories. I never right. knew what the 612 stood for until you said that. But um, we're going to take our first break, and then we'll be right back. DRG Mechanical in Leicester, Iowa. They can help you with whole house geothermal systems for heat, air, and hot water. Leak repair, regular furnace and air conditioner maintenance, home comfort evaluation and system load analysis, construction and remodel planning assistance, new features for your kitchen and bathroom. They do it all. They are amazing. Uh, I'd even like to say that I used to work with them back when I was in high school and in college. Um, just an absolute great company. Loved working with Dan Gerber, Davey Roman. Um, just absolutely great, great people and a very well-run business. Give them a call. 1-800-745-6970. They have more locations than just Leicester, Iowa. Um, but that's the one that I call home. Because there's no better place than Leicester, Iowa. And we're back at Hoagie's Garage. We're talking a little bit off air here. And, uh, we, you know, we brought up Brad Doty. And you're like, oh, I have a story about Brad Doty. So go ahead, Rod. Well, during that time that I was working with the Sprint Car Network, I was doing a show uh, out at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And... It was the dirt track at Lowe's Motor Speedway at the time. And the uh, the NASCAR uh, Bush Series at the time and the NASCAR Winston Cup Series uh, at the time was in Charlotte the same weekend as the Outlaws. Well, it was And I was doing uh, color commentary with Ralph Shaheen on Friday night, which was a, a great thrill. And then uh, we watched the uh, the Bush race on Saturday afternoon. Saturday night, Brad Doty was my color commentator. So I did play-by-play, -play and Brad was doing color commentary with me. And don't think that wasn't a thrill to have a, a legend like that sitting next to me. But it's during a commercial break during intermission, and the door opens to our booth, and Humpy Wheeler walks in with Jeff Gordon. Oh, jeepers. And they come, they come walking in, and uh, I stood up, and, uh, you know, I, I had known Humpy just because when we got there, he knew who I was and whatever. And so during a commercial break, I stood up, and I said, uh, uh, Mr. Gordon, Rod Patterson, nice to meet you. He looked at me, and he says, 
I know who you are, Hot Rod. I listen to you. Those Japers. <laughs> that would be a good and, night. And holy smokes, you think I was a little humbled by that deal? Wow. <laughs> so um, that was that was probably one of my greatest uh, one of my greatest memories uh, uh, of that deal. And then working with Brad Doty the rest of the time was just absolutely you know, mind mind boggling and awe inspiring. Just because of what kind of legendary guy he is at the track, but just what kind of quality guy he is, you know, just, just sitting there and, and BSing with him. So, uh, that was a pretty cool Brad story, uh, Brad Doty story that I have. Yeah. Like I said, we interviewed him too. And just a super nice guy. I'm trying to read his book now. I'm about two thirds done with it. So the boys yep, are waiting yep, for me to get done with it so they can look at it too. But <laughs> <laughs> definitely a great read. And boy, Dave Argerbright, how talented is that guy between, uh, still wide open with the Brad deal and, uh, you know, Lone Wolf with Doug Wolfgang and, and the story about Speedy Bill Smith. I mean, you talk about one of the more talented guys in the sport of auto racing. Dave yep. Argerbright is definitely it. So, um, obviously you enjoy it and you've had a lot of great stories. But, you know, why do you announce? Is it just for the love of the sport or what makes it fun for you? Well, and you can probably tell I like to talk. Um, I can talk for an hour and not say a thing. Um but it's it's just I, I don't know it's just how do I explain this? Other than my kids and my wife, a microphone has been one of my true loves. And if I can go to a sporting event and talk all time and and get paid for it, um, geez, sign me up for that program. Um, <laughs> you know, I I, I really don't I, I don't know if I could come up with a a real answer for it, but. Um, God gave me a, a, an ability to have communication skills that I think are a little above um, normal. So um, I always tell people that God gave me a bell. I just try to ring it as much as I can. So uh, probably the big thing um, after this past uh, this season in 2021, I did retire uh, from a lot of the announcing and promoting and media and managing and sales and all that. Uh, 32 years. Um, it's just it's time to start enjoying time at the races with my grandkids uh, you know last year i would uh, i would be working at a track and i'd see my grandkids sitting up in the stands and i thought to myself i need to be up there with them sure. because they're showing interest in racing i want to be up there i want to teach them what's going on i want to answer questions i want to introduce them to people that are involved in it and hopefully get them more involved in the sport so um after 32 years of chasing racing all over the country uh i have made it known to a lot of people that if you need to fill in once in a while, I'd be interested. But as far as, you know, do, doing the work, I would much rather at this point in my life go to the races because I want to, not because it's a job and I have to. So um, that's that's probably uh, uh, a little microcosm of, of, uh, of my career that way. Well, how good can that be for your kids and your grandkids to have somebody like you that if you're at the races – and you can introduce them to these different people. You know, your average fan just can't walk up to them people and say, hey, how's it going, blah, blah, I haven't seen you in a while. They get to meet them people. They can't, I don't see how they cannot get to learn or to like and racing. Well, and I like to think so, and I've always jokingly said that if I can get a kid into a racing habit, they will never have time or money for a drug habit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> they wouldn't have the money for it, that's for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um like I say, I, I've been blessed to uh, be able to meet some people and do some things and have some experiences that I, I would like to definitely pass on if I can. 
Do do you have and you've kind of mentioned some already, but do you have some interviews that you will never forget about? Most definitely. Um, I think the one uh, there's probably two of them that stand out. Uh, one of them is I had a chance to interview Doug Wolfgang. There was some talk about him getting back into a sprint car, and I had a chance to do an interview on uh, a local television show on cable, Midco Motorsports. And what was supposed to be a three-minute interview turned into 17. Uh, so needless to say, they had to edit the one for air, but they uh, kept the unedited version and put it online. And that's something that was probably one of the most, um, I don't know, one of them I take the most pride in, I think, is that one and the way that one went. The other one that kind of stands out in my mind is there were three years in 04, 05, and 06 when I was doing stuff at Knoxville. Uh, Speed Channel at the time was doing the broadcast of the Lucas Oil Late Model Nationals. And they would tape them and play them back uh, the next weekend, I think, something like that. Well, there was one weekend where Dave Argabright was our um, our uh, pit announcer that was up on the stage, uh, would do the winning driver interviews and, and uh, pretty much on stage. And I was the one that was mobile. Uh, my camera guy and I would roam around the pits and look for stories, you know, kind of what I did at Houston. Well, one year, Tony Stewart was there. And I have, I, I've known Tony's persona where when he goes to the racetrack, he wants to be another guy, hence the nickname Smoke. He just wants to be another guy. And I knew that. So I would walk by his pit and I would stand and I'd watch the guys work on the cars and, and not bother them at all. I'd walk by him in the pits and I'd say, hey, Tony, and he'd nod his head, hey, just treated him like anybody, you know, like anybody else would be. And so it came to Saturday night. He got himself in a mishap early in the race, and he started dead last in a restart and ended up finishing second behind Brian Shirley. So, and I'll never forget this. I had uh, headphones on, and my producer is, is you know, kind of directing things. And he said, uh, well, Brian Shirley won the thing, and he went up to talk to Argabright. The producer says, hey, Hot Rod, go get Tony. And I froze, and I says, as in Stewart, <laughs> and they all laughed at me. He said, "Yeah, you moron, Stewart." Of course, they're just laughing at me. So I walk up to the pit or to his uh, pit stall, and I said, uh, "Tony, you got a minute to do an interview?" Yeah, sure. And he was just happier than hell to be able to see me. And I did the interview on Speed Channel, and it aired on national TV, and it was great. Now the cool thing about that is. The cup guys were in Kansas that weekend. So Tony finished third in the Bush race Saturday afternoon, flew up to Knoxville, did the Knoxville late model nationals, finished second. And then he flew back to Kansas and he won the cup race. He ran out of gas as he's coming across the start finish line and won the cup race. But what was really cool about that is in the post race interview, all he could talk about is how much fun he had at Knoxville the night before. Yep. And the fact that I had a chance to interview him on that deal was was uh, truly an amazing deal. So that, that was probably another one of the interviews that really stood out for me. Uh, well, I can understand why. I mean, that you know, you're talking to some pretty important people in the racing world. Yeah, pretty blessed. I, I don't know what the heck I did to uh, have all these things happen to me, but uh, I'm sure glad I did it. <laughs> you know? 
Well, Tobe and I have only been doing this for a little bit, and we've... We've talked to some people that, yeah. We don't know what the heck we're doing either, but uh, (laughs) we're nothing like you, Rod. But, I mean, we feel pretty fortunate to have James McFadden and Lance DeWeese and Carson Macedo and, I mean, just the local guys, too. I ain't going to lie. I was a little nervous when Bud called me to tell me we were doing Brad Doty that night. I'm like, oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) But, but you know, you think about it, guys. I mean, look at how this racing family is so tied in together somehow okay yep. so here's a guy from watertown south dakota scuba steve steve swenson okay he's a crew chief for donnie shots donnie shots is one of the dominant drivers in his day uh and and still a, a force to be reckoned with okay so and donnie drives for tony and tony is you know friends with this guy and this guy and you know casey kane raced here and you know you, you look at the connections that we have we are not that far away from the top guys in racing just because of how this sport is structured. Yep. Yep. Well, I can still remember when Gordon showed up when he was, what, 14 or 15 at the fairgrounds oh, yeah. at one time. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, you it's know, an amazing and, little world we live in, that's for sure. There's no doubts. And, and I always tell people, if you're in the racing family, you get it. If you're yep. not in the racing family, I can't explain it to you. No, no, they think we're not anyhow. So, <laughs> well, and, you know, we might be. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's okay. To a certain um, extent, I'll take this family any day. Exactly. All right, hey, we're going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back. I'd like to thank Octane Inc. from T South Dakota. They pretty much do a little bit of everything. They are known for their wraps. They wrap. Golf carts, uh, snowmobiles, um, trailers, sprint cars, hobby stocks. It doesn't matter. Uh, Side-by-sides, they wrap it. Uh, They also do coolers. And they will also do clothing. You can have t-shirts made there. Um, You name it, these guys can do it. I work with Brett uh, Vanderbrink all the time. He is amazing. And I can't thank him enough for how much he helps me. And if I were you guys, I would definitely check out Octane Inc. You can contact them by calling 605-213-8343. It is 800 East Prescott in T, South Dakota. And again, they're just great people to work with. All right, we're back at the garage again with Rod. Now, Rod, I, for us, flow and dirt vision have been amazing for us for the amount of races we get to watch. What do you, what do you think? I mean, obviously, I'm assuming you think they've been a great thing for them, but what do you think about that stuff? I mean, get to watch that much racing and stuff. Well, I, I would say that um, it's good as far as the exposures is concerned uh, for the sport itself, for the, the drivers and their corporate partners. But I'm not sure, as far as an actual track owner or manager is concerned, if it's such a good thing. Now, if they're getting a cut from Dirt Vision and Flow Racing and those things, uh, okay, I get it. But if if I have a chance to put a person in the seats for ten bucks, and then have them spend twenty to twenty-five bucks at the concession stand, as yeah. far as a track owner is concerned. Uh, do I want that or do I want, you know, $10 because of a person that subscribed and has 50 people sitting at their house watching it? Now, 
you know, I, I, I get it as far as the, uh, the, the entertainment value is concerned, but, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, the, the thing, and, and I could speak from a track manager's concern. Okay. So sure. I've got all these people watching on flow channel or what, or, you know, all yeah. this stuff, but if I have an advertiser that puts a $1,500 billboard in the uh, infield for me, okay, so how many impressions am I getting? Am I getting 100 people sitting in my stands to see that, or do I have 500 people sitting in the stands watching that, or do I have 1,000 people sitting in stands watching that and, and seeing that ad? Because if I the, the more butts I have in the seats is, A, I'm getting more impressions for that advertiser that I have, B, I'm selling more hot dogs and sodas and, yep. and, and T-shirts and those types of things. So, um, you know, it's one of those double-edged swords. Um, you know, it, it's great for the sport and hopefully getting more people excited in it. But yep. we need butts in the seats. And we need people to bring their sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters. We need to get the next generation involved because if we don't, this sport's going to die, boys. Yeah. Oh, I understand that completely. I mean, there's... I mean, we, which has been great for us because we get to watch the races in PA and we get to see all the outlaw shows and we're watching California, we're watching Australia. But, I mean, we're still going to Houston because there's nothing better, you know, as the old saying goes, getting a little dirt in your beer and some extra pepper-looking stuff in your nachos. And I mean, it's just, there's nothing better than being there. Right. So. Right, there's no <clears throat> doubt. But I wish there was a way that they could do, like, what television does. Now, for example... Um, you know, the, the blackout deal. Okay. Yeah. So okay. if the twins baseball doesn't sell X amount of tickets, uh, for their show, they don't let people within a 200 mile radius watch on television. Sure. So I wish there was a way that let's say Jackson or Houston's or Knoxville, you know, did not make their webcast available to people outside of 150 miles because they haven't sold enough tickets. You know, I don't want to deprive people of the entertainment, but I also need the tracks to survive. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know you, you said you've been part of the hall of fame at Houston's for a long time and you've been the chairperson. Um, just give you a little bit of time here to talk about that. What's that been like for you? Well, growing up at the racetrack, uh, since I was one years old in 1969, I've had a chance to, you know, watch the progression of the cars and the drivers and just the actual sport itself. Uh, I love the history, you know, and there are people that will tell me that there should be people in the Hall of Fame that aren't in there yet because of the amount of wins they have. Well, I, I will say this, that, you know, it was a different format back then, you know, guys like Jerry Ross and Donnie Jones and Harry Torgerson and Bill Mellenburns and all these guys back in the sixties and seventies, they had to race against 30, 40, sometimes 50 cars in their class. And it was all based on point average. So all those guys had to start in the back every year or every, uh, every race. Yep. And they have 14, 13, 15, however many wins, which doesn't seem like a lot, but if those guys were starting on the front row, second row, even third row every night, then how many wins would they have? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And so the guy with 60, 70, 80, however many wins, now 
I don't think is as impressive as a guy that started in the back every week against 50 cars and has anywhere from 10 to 15 wins. Now, maybe that's just me being a historian part of it, but you know, you look at the, the competition, how many cars were there, how many drivers were there, where you had to start. And that to me is, is what made Houston's grow. And that's, that's the thing I love about the hall of fame is just the history of it to see the guys that, you know, raced with just a white t-shirt and a open face helmet and tennis shoes. And, 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 and actually back in the early days, they would take the, the, a, a car that they raced, drive it to the racetrack, take the headlights off of it, race it, put the headlights back on and yep. drive it home again. You Hopefully know? drive it back uh, home again. Well, that's, <laughs> exactly. But with those big lead sleds, it was pretty easy to do. But um, so that, that's, I think, what has been a driving force for me uh, as far as the Hall of Fame is concerned is just the history of it and preserving the history of it and, and, and trying to keep it alive as long as I can. Yeah, well, we need to, everybody needs to remember that. They got to know where this stuff all started at. So, but anyways, um, if you got just another minute or two for us, Rod, we'll finish up with some of these speed questions, we call them, if that's all right. Yep, yep, that'd be fine. All right, these are pretty simple for you. Um, favorite flavor of ice cream? <laughs> what? Yeah. Seriously? Well, this, this ain't, there ain't very little to do about racing on these next few questions. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> wow. I, how the hell do I answer that? Um. I'd say chocolate, probably. Okay. Cat or a dog person? Oh, mostly. Uh, absolutely dog. There's no doubt. <laughs> uh, do you have any hobbies other than racing? Um, yeah, I would say um, I, I, I absolutely love spending time with my wife and, and my grandkids. Um, and, and I know it's probably not a hobby, but those are the things I love to do. Um, I've also been blessed to be a freelance sports broadcaster as far as like radio uh, play-by-play of football and basketball and baseball and wrestling and those types of things. Uh, I I love doing that. Um, My wife is telling me that my favorite pastime is talking and she's taking her (laughs) fingers and thumb and waving them back and forth again. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed that or not. Oh, (laughs) we can see it from here. So, but I've been uh, very blessed to do between uh, high school and college and racing, able to do at least one broadcast in 31 different states. So that's awesome. Definitely been been blessed for sure. That's quite a few more states than I've ever been in. (laughs) Uh, What's your favorite movie? (laughs) My favorite movie? Um, You can pass on any of these if they're too difficult, Rod. No, it's a toss up between. Uh, Smoking the Bandit and Top Gun, but I will say if I had to break the tie, I'm going to go with something different because there's a movie called The Help back in 2011, oh, yep. and that was my wife and I, our, uh, when we were uh, dating, that was our first date. Uh, we went to The Help, and then we went to uh, uh, Red Lobster for supper and also to Cold Stone Creamy for ice cream. So uh, That's the good memory. Be, well, I know, but see, they want me to talk, so that's, that's what, my wife's over here coaching me, and so... Uh, um, too much information, she's saying, too much information. <laughs> what, what do you mean, yes, honey? 
<laughs> one answer question. <laughs> uh, okay, um, this, this one will make this one a one answer question. Then you prefer snow or rain? Rain. You don't have to shovel rain. There you go. Um, first thing you drink in the morning when you wake up? Diet Mountain Dew. Oh, that could be our first soda drinker early in the morning. I usually have to have a little glass of milk with breakfast first, then I can crack open a Pepsi. But would you? Yeah, I think I think I've had one half of a cup of coffee in my entire life, and I hated every minute of it. Yeah, so, that's uh, sign me up for a Diet Dew any day. That's a half yep. a cup more than I've had. I I do <laughs> Diet Coke every morning. So. Uh, would you rather it be 105 or 5 degrees? Oh, 5 degrees. <laughs> hey, there's a guy I'm with. Favorite no place to go. Because okay, go ahead. Put more, you can always put more clothes on, but you can't always take more off. I tried that <laughs> once, and boy, did I get in trouble on that deal. Well, and nobody wants to see what's under my shirt, so <laughs> I, I'm... Oh. <laughs> That brings a whole new meaning to the words whiteout, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite place to go out to eat? Oh, boy. Um, I've never met a meal I didn't like. Um, I'm stalling here. Um, no, I co would, no coaching oh from the background on this one? or Well, uh, any place that serves food. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would say if I had to pick one, uh, I'm going to say the uh, lunch buffet at Pizza Ranch. That works. Got lots of options that way. Oh, and those boys cringe when they see me walk in. <laughs> You're you saying they're not making money lunch? off of you? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite holiday? I would say Halloween. Oh, oh that's because. a new one. My, my wife and I, we really get into the Halloween thing more than any other um, any other uh, holiday. We dress up every year. Uh, in fact, there was one year where we were Raggedy Ann and Andy. There was one year where she was a nun and I was a priest, and that one was really hard to believe. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, we end up putting holiday or you know Halloween lights and inflatables and things up in the, uh, in the front. So uh, Halloween is probably our favorite holiday. Um, what app on your phone do you use the most? Oh, it's got to be Facebook. Okay. Let's get that one. How many uh, speeding tickets do you have? <laughs> My wife says five. Hooey! I don't have five speeding tickets. <laughs> Never argue with the wife now. Lord have mercy. Um, actually, uh, speeding tickets, uh, I'm uh, two. 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 So kind of along with that, what's the fastest you've ever gone on the highway, Rod? 105 miles an hour. That's all right. Okay, this one I think maybe you've already answered, but what's your favorite drink? My favorite drink? Well, favorite thing to drink, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. Well, if it's in the morning or during the day, it's probably a Diet do. But if it's like after 5 o'clock, it's the cold beer in my hand. There you go. <laughs> Um, and if you could own any car, what would that be? Wow. <laughs> you guys didn't let me study for this test. Well, that's what makes it entertainment. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Um, 
now does it have to be a car or can it be just a regular vehicle and any type of vehicle anything i would say probably a chevy silverado 1500 four-door pickup that's a nice ride right there (laughs) hey rod thanks so much for coming on um we sure hope that your health keeps uh going the right direction here um is there anything else you want to say about racing or anything to that before we let you go um i don't think so i guess i guess the one thing you know we were talking earlier about the racing family well um I, my latest track that I was at before I retired was in Wagner, South Dakota, and my wife's originally from Wagner, and that's where the grandkids that I was talking about were there. My wife would go to the races at the Speedway with her dad, but just as a casual fan, and when we started dating back in 2011, she had heard me talk about the racing family. Well, it was one of those deals where she didn't really, you know, the racing family, what is that? You know, it was one of those deals where you could try to explain it and you can't. Well, there's one instance where it, it finally clicked and you could just see that the light bulb came on and her eyes looked at me and it was an instance where she knew what yeah. the racing family was about. And now that she is quote unquote in the racing family and understands the racing family, um, it's the best family in the world. And, and it's that racing family and my wife, not as necessarily in that order, that helped me get through all the health things that I've been going through the last month, month and a half. Uh, all the prayers and 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 notes and those types of things uh, have definitely been an inspiration. So I'm eternally grateful. Absolutely. That's perfect. That's a great way to end the show, I think, right there. So well, thanks, thanks again, guys. Rod. Appreciate the time. You bet. We'll see you. Thanks again, Rod. Okay. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Lester Days 2022 is August 20th. Put that on your calendar. It's going to be another great year. Um, You know, last year we had a smoking competition, and we're going to do that again. We had fire truck rides. We had a little kid uh, tractor pull, uh, golf ball drop. Um, You know, we're going to add some things that we think are going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, we're going to, I think, have a glow run on Friday night, the night before. So, just a bunch of fun things that are going on in the great village of Leicester, Iowa. Come and enjoy the day with us in Leicester. And we're back. Another episode done. Another night in the books. You betcha. Fun Uh, night. Fun. I did not realize Rod had been, like, nationwide like that. I did not... Evidently, I don't keep up close enough with everything, but he had a lot of great stories. He met a lot of neat people. Yeah. And I I really liked when his wife started chiming in at the end. I thought that was great. (laughs) And then, you know, the old Tony. Yeah. As in Stewart? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Freaking Tony Stewart. Go talk to him. Oh, maybe. uh, Okay. I thought great stories, so that was fun. Yeah, and uh, Schurz, you know, yep. his win down there uh, after his accident. Uh, he was Riley's, you know, when Riley was into racing a lot, that was hands down his most, most favorite, favorite guy. So he was just amazed that he could get out there and race and, race, and stuff yep, like, like that. that yep. So, you know, we maybe should try and get him on the show sometime. I'll give it a whirl. You're in charge of that. I just come and talk. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, that does it for the night. You bet. Till Thanks next again time. to Rod Patterson. Hope his health is all good. Yep. And take care. Till next time, everyone.